Section twenty three of the Natural History, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Natural History, Volume three, by Pliny the Elder, translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section twenty three. Book fifteen, the Natural History of the Fruit Trees. Chapter One, the olive. How long it existed only in Greece? At what period it was first introduced into Italy, Spain, and Africa? Theophrastus, one of the most famous among the Greek writers, who flourished about the year four forty of the city of Rome, has asserted that the olive does not grow at a distance of more than forty miles from the sea. Fenestella tells us that in the year of Rome, 173, being the reign of Tarquinius Priscus, it did not exist in Italy, Spain, or Africa, whereas at the present day it has crossed the Alps even, and has been introduced into the two provinces of Gaul and the middle of Spain. In the year of Rome, 505, Appius Claudius, grandson of Appius Claudius Cassius, and Lucius Junius, being consuls, twelve pounds of oil sold for an ass and at a later period in the year six eighty marcus seius son of lucius the curule aedile regulated the price of olive oil at rome at the rate of ten pounds for the ass for the whole year a person will be the less surprised at this when he learns that twenty-two years after in the third consulship of gnaeus pompeius italy was able to export olive oil to the provinces hesiod who looked upon an acquaintance with agriculture as conducive in the very highest degree to the comforts of life has declared that there was no one who had ever gathered fruit from the olive tree that had been sown by his own hands so slow was it in reaching maturity in those times whereas now at the present day it is sown in nurseries even and if transplanted will bear fruit the following year chapter two the nature of the olive and of new olive oil Fabianus maintains that the olive will grow neither in very cold climates, nor yet in very hot ones. Virgil has mentioned three varieties of the olive, the orchites, the radius, and the posia, and says that they require no raking or pruning, nor in fact any attention whatever. There is no doubt that in the case of these plants, soil and climate are the things of primary importance, but still, it is usual to prune them at the same time as the vine, and they are improved by lopping between them every here and there. The colouring of the olive follows that of the grape, and there is even a greater degree of skill required in preparing oil than in making wine. For the very same olives will frequently give quite different results. The first oil of all, produced from the raw olive before it has begun to ripen, is considered preferable to all the others in flavour. In this kind, too, the first droppings of the press are the most esteemed, diminishing gradually in goodness and value, and this, whether the wicker work basket is used in making it, or whether, following the more recent plan, the pulp is put in a stick strainer with narrow spikes and interstices. The riper the berry, the more unctuous the juice, and the less agreeable the taste. To obtain a result both abundant and of excellent flavour, the best time to gather it 
is when the berry is just on the point of turning black. In this state it is called trupa, by us, by the Greeks, tripetis. In addition to these distinctions, it is of importance to observe whether the berry ripens in the press or while on the branch, whether the tree has been watered or whether the fruit has been nurtured solely by its own juices and has imbibed nothing else but the dews of heaven. Chapter 3 Olive oil, the countries in which it is produced, and its various qualities. It is not with olive oil as it is with wine, for by age it acquires a bad flavor, and at the end of a year it is already old. This, if rightly understood, is a wide provision on the part of nature. Wine, which is only produced for the drunkard, she has seen no necessity for us to use when new. Indeed, by the fine flavor which it acquires with age, she rather invites us to keep it. But on the other hand, she has not willed that we should be thus sparing of oil, and so has rendered its use common and universal by the very necessity there is of using it while fresh. In the production of this blessing as well, Italy holds the highest rank among all countries, and more particularly the territory of Benefrum, that part of it in especial which produces the Licinian oil, the qualities of which have conferred upon the Licinian olive the very highest renown. It is our engines which have brought this oil into such great esteem, the peculiar order of it adapting itself so well to the full development of their qualities. At the same time, its delicate flavor equally enlists the palate in its behalf. In addition to this, birds will never touch the berry of the Licinian olive. Next to Italy, the contest is maintained and on very equal terms between the territories of Istria and of Baetica. The next rank for excellence is claimed by the other provinces of our empire, with the exception of Africa, the soil of which is better adapted for grain. That country nature has given exclusively to the cereals. Of oil and wine she has all but deprived it, securing it a sufficient share of renown by its abundant harvests. As to the remaining particulars connected with the olive, they are replete with erroneous notions, and I shall have occasion to show that there is no part of our agricultural economy upon which people have been more generally mistaken. The olive is composed of a stone, oil, flesh, and a mocha, the last being a bitter liquid principally composed of water. Hence it is that in seasons of drought it is less plentiful and more abundant when rains have prevailed. The oil is a juice peculiar to the olive, a fact more particularly stated in reference to its unripe state, as we have already mentioned when speaking of amphasium. This oil continues on the increase up to the rising of Arcturus, or in other words, the sixteenth day before the calends of October, after which the increase is in the stone and the flesh. When drought has been followed by abundant rains, the oil is spoiled and turns to amurca. It is the color of this amurca that makes the olive turn black. Hence, when the berry is just beginning to turn that color, there is but little amurca in it, and before that period, none at all. It is an error, then, on the part of persons to suppose that that is the commencement of maturity, which is in reality only the near approach of corruption. A second error, too, is the supposition that the oil increases proportionably to the flesh of the berry, it being the fact that the oil is all the time undergoing a change into flesh, and the stone is growing larger and larger within. 
it is for this reason more particularly that care is taken to water the tree at this period the real result of all this care and attention as well as of the fall of copious rains being that the oil in reality is absorbed as the bear increases in size unless fine dry weather should happen to set in which naturally tends to contract the volume of the fruit according to theophrastus heat is the sole primary cause of the oleaginous principle for which reason it is that in the presses and in the cellars even great fires are lighted to improve the quality of the oil a third error arises from misplaced economy to spare the expense of gathering people are in the habit of waiting till the berry falls from the tree others again who wish to follow a middle course in this respect beat the fruit off with poles and so inflict injury on the tree and ensure loss in the succeeding year indeed there was a very ancient regulation in existence relative to the gathering of the olive neither pull nor beat the olive tree those who would observe a still greater degree of precaution strike the branches slightly with a reed on one side of them but even then the trees reduced to bearing fruit but once in two years in consequence of the injury done to the buds not less injurious however are the results of waiting till the berries fall from the tree for by remaining on it beyond the proper time they deprive the crop that is coming on of its due share of nutriment by occupying its place a clear proof of which is that if they are not gathered before the west winds prevail they are found to have acquired renewed strength and are all the later before they fall chapter four fifteen varieties of olives the first olive that is gathered after the autumn is that known as the posia the berry of which owing to a vicious method of cultivation and not any fault on the part of nature has the most flesh upon it next to this is the orchids which contain the greatest quantity of oil and then after that the radius as these are of a peculiarly delicate nature the heat very rapidly takes effect upon them and the amurca they contain causes them to fall on the other hand the gathering of the tough hard-skinned olive is put off so late as the month of march it being well able to resist the effects of moisture and consequently very small those varieties known as the licinian the communion the conscian and the surgeon by the sabines called the royal olive do not turn black before the west winds prevail or in other words before the sixth day before the ides of february at this period it is generally thought that they begin to ripen and as a most excellent oil is extracted from them experience would seem to give its support to a theory which in reality is altogether wrong the growers say that in the same degree that cold diminishes the oil the ripeness of the berry augments it whereas in reality the goodness of the oil is owing not to the period at which the olive is gathered but to the natural properties of this peculiar variety in which the oil is remarkably slow in turning to a mocha a similar error too is committed by those who keep the olives when gathered upon a layer of boards and do not press the fruit till it has thrown out a sweat it being the fact that every hour lost tends to diminish the oil and increase the amorca the consequence is that according to the ordinary computation a modus of olives yields no more than six pounds of oil no one however ever takes account of the quantity of amorca to ascertain in reference to the same kind of berry to what extent it increases daily in amount 
then again it is a very general error among practical persons to suppose that the oil increases proportionably to the increased size of the berry and more particularly so when it is so clearly proved that such is not the case with reference to the variety known as the royal olive by some called margarina and by others folia this berry being of the very largest size and yet yielding a minimum of juice in egypt too the berries which are remarkably meaty are found to produce but very little oil while those of decapolis in syria are so extremely small that they are no bigger than a caper and yet they are highly esteemed for their flesh it is for this reason that the olives from the parts beyond sea are preferred for table to those of italy though at the same time they are very inferior to them for making oil in italy those of Picenum and of Cidicina are considered the best for table these are kept apart from the others and steeped in salt after which like other olives they are put in a murca or else boiled wine indeed some of them are left to float solely in their own oil without any adventitious mode of preparation and are then known as colimbades sometimes the berry is crushed and then seasoned with green herbs to flavour it even in an unripe state the olive is rendered fit for eating by being sprinkled with boiling water it is quite surprising too how readily it will imbibe sweet juices and retain an adventitious flavour from foreign substances with this fruit as with the grape there are purple varieties and the pulsia is of a complexion approaching to black besides those already mentioned there are the superba and the remarkably luscious kind which dries of itself and is even sweeter than the raisin this last variety is extremely rare and is to be found in africa and in the vicinity of emerita in lusitania the oil of the olive is prevented from getting thick and rancid by the admixture of salt by making an incision in the bark of the tree an aromatic odour may be imparted to the oil any other mode of seasoning such for instance as those used with reference to wine is not at all gratifying to the palate nor do we find so many varieties in oil as there are in the produce of the grape there being in general but three different degrees of goodness in fine oil the odour is more penetrating but even in the very best it is but short-lived chapter five the nature of olive oil it is one of the properties of oil to impart warmth to the body and to protect it against the action of cold while at the same time it promotes coolness in the head when heated the greeks those parents of all vices have abused it by making it minister to luxury and employing it commonly in the gymnasium indeed it is a well-known fact that the governors of those establishments have sold the scrapings of the oil used there for a sum of eighty thousand sesterces the majesty of the roman sway has conferred high honour upon the olive crowned with it the troops of the equestrian order are wont to defile upon the ides of july it is used too by the victor in the minor triumphs of the ovation at athens also they are in the habit of crowning the conqueror with olive and at olympia the greeks employ the wild olive for a similar purpose chapter six the culture of the olive its mode of preservation the method of making olive oil we will now proceed to mention the precepts given by cato in relation to this subject upon a warm rich soil he recommends us to saw the greater radius 
the salentina the orchides the pulsia the surgeon the communion and the albicera but with a remarkable degree of prudence he adds that those varieties ought to be planted in preference which are considered to thrive best in the neighboring localities in a cold and meagre soil he says that the licinian olive should be planted and he informs us that a rich or hot soil has the effect in this last variety of spoiling the oil while the tree becomes exhausted by its own fertility and is liable to be attacked by a sort of red moss he states it as his opinion that the olive grounds ought to have a western aspect and indeed he approves of no other according to him the best method of preserving olives is to put the orchids and the pulsia while green in a strong brine or else to bruise them first and preserve them in mastic oil the more bitter the olive he says the better the oil but they should be gathered from the ground the very moment they fall and washed if they are dirty he says that three days will be quite sufficient for drying them and that if it is frosty weather they should be pressed on the fourth care being taken to sprinkle them with salt olives he informs us lose oil by being kept in a boarded storeroom and deteriorate in quality the same being the case too if the oil is left with the amurca and the pulp or in other words the flesh of the olive that forms the residue and becomes the dregs for this reason he recommends that the oil should be poured off several times in the day and then put into vessels or cauldrons of lead for copper vessels will spoil it he says all these operations however should be carried on with presses heated and tightly closed and exposed to the air as little as possible for which reason he recommends that wood should never be cut there the most convenient fuel for the fires being the stones of the berries from the cauldron the oil should be poured into vats in order that the pulp and the amurca may be disengaged in a solidified form to effect which object the vessels should be changed as often as convenient while at the same time the osher baskets should be carefully cleaned with a sponge and the oil may run out in as clean and pure a state as possible in later times the plan has been adopted of invariably crushing the olives in boiling water and at once putting them whole in the press a method of effectually extracting the amurca and then after crushing them in the oil press subjecting them to pressure once more it is recommended that not more than one hundred modi should be pressed at one time the name given to this quantity is factus while the oil that flows out of the first pressure is called the floss four men working at two presses day and night ought to be able to press out three factuses of olives chapter seven forty-eight varieties of artificial oils the sicus tree or croton or silly or sesamum in those times artificial oils had not been introduced and hence it is i suppose that we find no mention made of them by cato at the present day the varieties are very numerous we will first speak of those which are produced from trees and among them more particularly the wild olive this olive is small and much more bitter than the cultivated one and hence its oil is only used in medicinal preparations the oil that bears the closest resemblance to it is that extracted from the camellia a shrub which grows among the rocks and not more than a palm in height the leaves and berries being similar to those of the wild olive a third oil is that made of the fruit of the sicus a tree which grows in egypt in great abundance 
by some it is known as croton by others as silly and by others again as wild sesamum it is not so very long since this tree was first introduced here in spain too it shoots up with great rapidity to the size of the olive tree having a stem like that of the ferula the leaf of the vine and a seed that bears a resemblance to a small pale grape our people are in the habit of calling it ricinus from the resemblance of the seed to that insect it is boiled in water and the oil that swims on the surface is then skimmed off but in egypt where it grows in a greater abundance the oil is extracted without employing either fire or water for the purpose the seed being first sprinkled with salt and then subjected to pressure eaten with food this oil is repulsive but it is very useful for burning in lamps amygdalinum by some persons known as metopium is made of bitter almonds dried and beaten into a cake after which they are steeped in water and then beaten again an oil is extracted from the laurel also with the aid of olive oil some persons use the berries only for this purpose while others again employ the leaves and the outer skin of the berries some add storax also and other odoriferous substances the best kind for this purpose is the broad-leaved or wild laurel with a black berry the oil too of the black myrtle is of a similar nature that with a broad leaf is reckoned also the best the berries are first sprinkled with warm water and then beaten after which they are boiled some persons take the more tender leaves and boil them in olive oil and then subject them to pressure while others again steep them in oil and leave the mixture to ripen in the sun the same method is also adopted with the cultivated myrtle but the wild variety with small berries is generally preferred by some it is known as the oxymersin by others as the camomersin and by others again as the acoron from its strong resemblance to that plant it being short and branching an oil is made too from the citrus and from the cypress also from the walnut and known by the name of carinon and from the fruit of the cedar being generally known as pisellon oil is extracted from the grain of cnidus the seed being first thoroughly cleaned and then pounded and from mastic also as to the oil called cuprinum and that extracted from the egyptian berry we have already mentioned the mode in which they are prepared as perfumes the indians too are said to extract oils from the chestnut sesame and rice and the ichthyophagy from fish scarcity of oil for the supply of lamps sometimes compels us to make it from the berries of the plane tree which are first steeped in salt and water enanthemum again is made from the enanth as we have already stated when speaking of perfumes in making glucinum must is boiled with olive oil at a slow heat some persons however do not employ fire in making it but leave a vessel filled with oil and must surrounded with grape husks for two and twenty days taking care to stir it twice a day by the end of that period the whole of the must is imbibed by the oil some persons mix with this not only some succum but perfumes of still greater price that too which is used in the gymnasia is scented with perfumes as well but those of the very lowest quality oils are made too from aspalathus from calamus balsamum cardamom melilot gallic nard panax samsucum helenium and root of cinnamomum the plants being first left to steep in oil and then pressed in a similar manner too 
Rhodinum is made from roses, and gentinum from the sweet rush, bearing a remarkable resemblance to the rose oil. Other oils, again, are extracted from henbane, lupines, and narcissus. Great quantities of oil are made in Egypt, too, of radish seed, or else of a common grass known there as cortinon. Sesamum also yields an oil, and so does the nettle, its oil being known as cnidinum. In other countries, too, an oil is extracted from lilies left to steep in the open air and subjected to the influence of the sun, moon, and frosts. On the borders of Cappadocia and Galatia, they make an oil from the herbs of the country known as selgicum, remarkably useful for strengthening the tendons, similar in fact to that of Iguvium in Italy. From peach, an oil is extracted that is known as piscinum. It is made by boiling the peach and spreading fleeces over the vessels to catch the steam and then wringing them out. The most approved kind is that which comes from brutium, the peach of that country being remarkably rich and resinous. The color of this oil is yellow. There is an oil that grows spontaneously in the maritime parts of Syria, known to us as eleomeli. It is an unctuous substance which distills from certain trees of a thicker consistency than honey, but somewhat thinner than resin. It has a sweet flavor, and is employed for medicinal purposes. Old olive oil is of use for some kinds of maladies. It is thought to be particularly useful, too, in the preservation of ivory from decay. At all events, the statue of Saturn at Rome is filled with oil in the interior. Chapter 8. Amorca but it is upon the praises of Amorca more particularly that Cato has enlarged. He recommends that vats and casks for keeping oil should be first seasoned with it, to prevent them from soaking up the oil, and he tells us that threshing floors should be well rubbed with it to keep away ants and to prevent any chinks or crannies from being left. The mortar, too, of walls, he says, ought to be seasoned with it, as well as the roofs and floors of granaries and he recommends that wardrobe should be sprinkled with amorca as a preservative against woodworms and other noxious insects. He says, too, that all grain of the cereals should be steeped in it, and speaks of it as efficacious for the cure of maladies in cattle, as well as trees, and as useful even for ulcerations in the inside and upon the face of man. We learn from him also that thongs, all articles made of leather, sandals, and axle-trees, used to be anointed with boiled amorca, which was employed also to preserve copper vessels against vendigrees, and to give them a better colour, as also for the seasoning of all utensils made of wood, as well as the earthen jars in which dried figs were kept, or of sprigs of myrtle with the leaves and berries on, or any other articles of a similar nature, in addition to which he asserts that wood which has been steeped in America will burn without producing a trifling smoke. According to Marcus Terentius Varro, an olive tree which has been licked by the tongue of the she-goat, or upon which she has browsed when it was first budding, is sure to be barren. Thus much in reference to the olive and the oils. End of section 23